Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. From the WEEI Studios, the home of the Red Sox, 93.7, WEEI-FM, and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. Always live on the free Odyssey app. And now, a Boston original on Boston Sports Original. It's Christian Arcan on WEEI. Almost uh, the full length of the ring. Panarin blasted one wide. Final seconds. And Boston has won 10 in a row. 10 in a row for your Boston Bruins who won again today. Boston Sports Original WEEI. I'm Christian Arnkin here for one more hour. Stiz is behind the glass. You can uh, get through at 617-779-7937. A Saturday matinee. The blue shirt's in town. No problem. Really, no problem for your Boston Bruins at all. Just put the Rangers in that other pile of teams, that little basket of teams that loaded up in the East. And listen, I'd say that with, you know, air quotes here. Teams loaded up at the deadline. This NHL trade deadline was unbelievable. Really, it was one of the best ones I can remember um, in terms of just overall movement. I really enjoyed the trade. The actual day of the deadline, like everyone had already kind of, you know, gone nuts with their moves already. So by the time we actually got to Friday at 3 o'clock, it was a little anticlimactic. But, like, you didn't really need much then, considering everything that had happened in the previous four or five days. Uh, And the Bruins were right there, too, making tons of moves. Um, This week? This week was incredible. Maybe the most eventful Bruins week there's ever been. Um, back on the 23rd, I guess it's two weeks, really. But back on the 23rd of February, they made the trade for Hathaway and Orloff, which doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Um, couple games later, Linus Allmark sets a franchise record for saves in a game. Couple days ago, they traded for Bertuzzi. And on the same day of the Bertuzzi extension... Of the Bertuzzi trade, they extended David Pasternak. And then that night, (laughs) they won a game becoming the fastest team to 100 points in the history of the NHL, which you may or may not know goes back a ways. It does. And then today, here come the Rangers who just loaded up with Kane and all these other guys. And the Bruins politely uh, sweep them to the side with an easy 4-2 win. And I'll tell you what, those first two goals, Tyler uh, Tyler Bertuzzi comes uh, comes behind the net, behind Justerkin, who's one of the best goalies in the league. Not He maybe is the best goalie in the league, not Linus Allmark, uh, just in terms of pure skill. And in terms of pure skill, maybe he's even better than all. I mean, Allmark's unbelievable. But he had another game here where he didn't have to do that much. He had 24 saves. He had a couple of really nice ones. Uh, second period, he had a couple of great stops. Um, Bergeron had a goal in this game that was just, ah, uh, it was, there's an ad running during uh, hockey games right now 
There's this ad running where they show clips from old video games. Have you seen this, Diz, where they show, like, NHL 95? No. And then it's, like, the PlayStation games, and then they show, like, guys in real life doing some of those moves. And it's like, oh, maybe we weren't crazy, like, programming these moves into those old games. Maybe you could actually do that. Bergeron, so Bergeron uh, gets a feed from, I think it was Marchand. It was either Marchand or Orloff. Uh, I think Orloff got the secondary assist, but they both got points on it. I think Marchand's the one who scooted it over to him. And Bergeron let loose this wrister from right around the middle of the right circle. And Jesterkin was a little bit screened, I think, by his own guy. Bergeron's shot was a lifting puck that hit Jesterkin in the shoulder, bounced off his shoulder, hit the pipe into the net. And I was watching that going, this team, everything they do just works. <laughs> you know what I mean? And no matter what it is. Bergeron ripping a wrister from the middle of the thing. You know, it wasn't like, it wasn't the greatest shot in the world, but it was perfect. <laughs> it was absolutely perfect. And then the Pasternak put the game away right after that with his 44th goal of the year. And that's all she wrote. That's not all she wrote. Uh, they got an empty, uh, not an empty netter, but they got a goal, I think, on the extra attacker at the very end. But by then it was, I mean, the game was over. And the Bruins win again. The Bruins have now beaten the Rangers three times this year, all three times that they played them, by scores of 5-2, 3-1, and now 4-2. Doing some quick math here, that is a 13-5 point differential. And the Rangers are supposed to be considered, I heard people say this week, are a team you really got to watch out for. And listen, I think the Rangers are pretty good. I think they're going to win some games here. They might surprise some people at the end of the season especially now with these new guys. But that's sort of the point, I guess, is that whatever happens with these other teams, whatever happens with the Carolinas of the world and the New Jerseys and, uh, you know, the other teams in the Metro and whatever happens with Toronto and Tampa and, you know, the other contenders here in the Atlantic, the Bruins are just so far above them right now. And what Don Sweeney did at this deadline between the Pasternak extension, which doesn't necessarily impact this year, but may have kind of, all right, well, Pasta knows that he's loved and he knows that he's they care about him and they want him and the, this may be his best chance on this uh, contract that he just signed to win a cup, so he's going to go all out. Like, I could see that. I could definitely see that. I hope that's not the case, by the way. But I could see that being a motivator for him. All right, here we go. I got a big extension, and this is maybe my last go-around here with my guys. And I don't think Marchand's going anywhere, but it may be it for Bergeron, it may be it for Krejci. And that's a big impact on a guy like Pasternak, for sure. Those are his two centermen that he's played his whole career with. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's a big deal for him. Um, Then, with the Hathaway trade, the Hathaway-Orloff trade, I should say, you got both of them there. Orloff's been fantastic since they got him. He had that two-goal game. He had an assist tonight. He's he's a black hole when you try and bring it into the zone. Uh, graded on the four-check, bat, whatever. I mean, he's just, he's tremendous. He's been tremendous so far. And I think he has as many goals with the Bruins as he had all year long with Washington. So, again, you tell me. Some people just like it here. I heard people say that. Razor said that. He goes, you know, people just want to play in Boston. Guys just want to play here in Boston. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. And I wonder, you know, why is that? Boston's a good hockey town. Is it the greatest hockey town? I don't know. There's some other good hockey towns. 
And it's not like we're in Canada here, you know, like there's, you know, it's not like we're Toronto or Montreal, uh, but there's a thing. I mean, there's a real thing with this team and this club. And I don't know if it's the guys who are there now. I don't know if Bergeron and Krejci and Marsh and all those guys weren't there. Would people still say that? People still say they want to play in Boston. Like, I don't know, but they're here and that's a thing. And it's cooking right now. It's been cooking all year. And you added some edge at the deadline too. If there was one critique I had of this team is that they weren't particularly edgy. Didn't have a lot of guys that you sort of felt could go out there and take care of business if someone was, I don't know, taking liberties with them like in 2019 with the Blues. There's someone out there, you know, like instead of having Tory Krug go skate down and deliver the hit now, they got a couple of guys who can do that, a couple of guys who can. And you saw Hathaway today. Truba lays, I forget who it was, Noshik maybe, had this open ice hit on Noshik. Hathaway runs up, starts to, to clipping at him. And uh, Truba pushes him back. Hathaway threw his gloves off so fast, it was like they disintegrated into thin air. <laughs> you can tell a guy likes to fight a lot when, you know, a couple of couple of cross-checks go back and forth, and then all of a sudden the gloves just li- literally disappear. Like, it's, I didn't even see him throw them off. You don't even see the motion. It's just, they're gone. <laughs> like someone pulled them off with a rope or something. Uh, and, you know, I don't think I need to tell you about Bertuzzi either. Some guys who love playing on the edge right there. And Bertuzzi is a legitimate uh, scoring threat. And you saw that setup. That was a beautiful setup to Charlie Coyle. He got behind that net and put one right in between two defenders' sticks, hit him right at Coyle right on his stick, and Coyle buried it five-hole. That was that was gorgeous. That was a gorgeous goal. And the first one, his first uh, point with the Bruins uh, for Bertuzzi. So what can you say? I mean, honestly, what can you say? <laughs> I'm I'm trying here. They're pushing all their chips into the middle, and so far they're winning every hand. What's different this year? The easy question or the easy answer to that question, I would say, is the goaltending, right? Tuca had some great years, but he didn't uh, didn't do this. I was also sort of thinking about Sweeney and why this is considered such uh, such a coup for him and what he really did. I think what Sweeney's biggest achievement is is the way he rebuilt the decor. And I know that Chara was here when Sweeney was the GM, so it's not like, you know, he had nothing to work with, but Chara left, obviously, and then Sweeney had to sort of rebuild around him, and he drafted McAvoy, drafted Carlo, and this was all while Chara was still here, obviously, but then he trades for Lindholm, and, I mean, you tell me. You saw Olmark go out there and have that crazy game where he had 54 saves, right? And you're watching that going, this guy's unbelievable. But you also watch it and go, man, he hasn't really been tested like this much this year, huh? Even today, 24 saves against the the blue shirts, as good as they are offensively, like didn't have that many scoring chances. And that's a lot of what his uh, nights look like. 25 saves, 26 saves, 22 saves, you know, occasionally he'll crack 30. And that's not his fault, obviously. You only stop as many shots as you see. But I guess that's the point is he's not seeing that many. Because this defense right now is operating at a – tremendous level a tremendous level and almost every single one of those guys are Sweeney guys Forbert McAvoy Carlo Lindholm I mean you know like what they're all they all came and under one guy and that's that's what it is I mean this is what you have you have a you have a defensive grouping that has made Linus Allmark's life pretty easy, and he's risen to the occasion. Let's all agree with that. I'm not trying to say Linus Allmark's a fraud or anything, but I think even he'd tell you, you know, those guys playing in front of me are really having a great year. He's having a great year, too. 
But I think it's like it takes a village. You know what I mean? Like Linus Allmark's never had a year like this before. We know that McAvoy plays at a high level. You know, Lynn Holmes at a high level. Carlo is sort of in between, I guess. But I was also thinking about that too. We have, the book on Sweeney is you can't draft, right? And listen, in the last, I don't know, four years, I wouldn't say there's been a ton of draft picks that you want to really write home about. Not a lot of great prospects. I saw that too. Sweeney made all these deals at the deadline and didn't trade any prospects. And I was like, what prospects? <laughs> you know, it's like two prospects. I guess he didn't trade any of the two, but whatever. I'm getting ahead of myself here. What Don Sweeney's done here is remarkable. And... I think that this team, what makes them different from last year, from incarnations of these other teams, is the coach, for one. Uh, but for two, the way he's put this uh, defensive core together. And I think you're really seeing it reflect in the tremendous performances that both of these goaltenders are having. Because these are two good goaltenders. But are they Richter and Van Beesbrook? Okay, are they Osgood and Hashik? Are they Hashik and Vernon? Like, you know what I mean? Like, are they the all-time great goalie duos in the history of the game? Because that's what their numbers would suggest today. Is that what they? Is that what they really are? Like, maybe, maybe Linus. Maybe they've unlocked Linus Allmark. But I like to think that it's more been more of a collaborative effort, which I think speaks to, in a lot of ways, the culture and sort of that stuff that guys like Razor and everybody talks about when it comes to playing in Boston and playing for the Bruins. I think that really exists with this team. I do. Uh, 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. We'll uh, continue with the Bruins talk, and I have some Red Sox thoughts as well. Um, We'll get to all of that with your phone calls right after trending. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. It was a rough night for the Celtics last night as they fell to the Nets at home, 115-105. to The Celtics led by as much as 28 points in the first half, but were outscored by Brooklyn 92-54 to in the second. Jalen Brown led the team with 35 points, and Robert Williams left the game with right hamstring tightness. The Celtics are back at it tomorrow night, taking on the Knicks tip-off at 7.30. The Bruins had a matinee game today against the Rangers. Puck dropped at 1 p.m. It just wrapped up a little while ago. The Bees beat New York 4-2 here at home with goals by Coyle, Noshek, Pasta, and Bergeron. The Red Sox continue their spring training games today, taking on the Astros down in Fort Myers. Joe Castiglione and Bradford were on the call. That game ended in a 4-4 tie, making the Red Sox now undefeated as spring training rolls along. And in the NFL, according to Josina Anderson, the Ravens and quarterback Lamar Jackson are, quote, not close to agreeing on a long-term extension. Baltimore reportedly has their best offer on the table, and the franchise tag deadline is this Tuesday. I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, 
at the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, Elle King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's leading ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. We're back to Christian Arcan on WEEI. Injured in recent action, and neither one expected back soon. Made the deal for Patuzzi a bit more urgent. There's a testing shot by Nikola. Knocked down by Omar. Now a centering pass. Trocek sent it off the shoulder of Linus Omar. Nephew of the longtime NHL player, Tom Patuzzi. He centers one for Coyle, and he scores! Charlie Coyle! With the first goal of the afternoon for Boston. That's what it sounded like. Your Boston Bruins, a wagon, 10 straight. And that was that first goal I was telling you about, that Charlie Coyle goes set up by uh, Bertuzzi. It's not just that the Sweeney made some trades. The guys he traded for are all killing it, like, immediately. <laughs> <laughs> right? Orloff has this ridiculous two-goal guy. No they, uh, no, they didn't lose the game. They won, obviously. But uh, he had that two-goal uh, outburst in the first period um, in that uh, the game, that Calgary game. And here's Bertuzzi in, like, one of his first shifts on the team, setting up Charlie Coyle. <laughs> like, they've been playing together for a decade. Something There's something going on with this team, and let me just tell you. When you push all your chips in like this and you run roughshod over the entire NHL and you're leaps and bounds, head and shoulders better than everybody. I mean, this is this is sort of how I you think of the lightning the last, you know, five years or so. And I know they weren't always this far ahead, but, like, I always kind of had them in my head as this team that was just better than everybody else. The lightning were just better. They're deeper. They got better guys. They got all these scores. Nothing you can do about them. And the Lightning right now are struggling. I think they're over oh, their last four. Uh, they haven't they haven't seen the win column in a, about a week, two weeks now. So you know they're they're having a tough time. They don't even have eighty points yet. If you're the Bruins, and I'm asking Bruins fans out there right now, is there a team in the East or the West or anywhere in the NHL? Is there a single team that scares you? Is there one team that puts the fear of anything into you? Like Carolina last year, I know the Bruins had a really hard time with Carolina last year. So far, I feel like it hasn't been that bad. Um, the Islanders, I know they beat them in the playoffs a couple years back. That was a tough series. Not scared of the Islanders. Not scared of the Rangers. Not scared of the Maple Leafs. I'm not even scared of the Lightning. I guess I'm a little scared of the Lightning still. You always have to be a little scared of the Lightning. But that's it. Capitals sold off everything. Like they're not a they're not a threat anymore. Um, Buffalo's too far out of it. The Devils, I don't believe in. They had that hot start to the year and they've cooled off. Pittsburgh, I think, is like the last wild card team. Are you scared of Pittsburgh? Are you scared of anything, Bruins? Are you scared of anything, Bruins fans? I'm sort of scared of how little I'm scared of anything. <laughs> like that's scary to me. As a Bruins fan. I feel like you always have to have a little bit of fear. You know, you always have to be thinking, like, all right, you got to overcome this, or this is the boy, this is who you got to knock off, this is what you got to do. I don't feel like they have anything they need to do. 
even the stuff they did at the trade deadline, I don't think they necessarily needed to do any of it. Like, they didn't give up anything. They gave up Craig Smith and a bunch of picks and brought in some real uh, contributors. But I don't think they had to. <laughs> like, even with the Felino injury, even with uh, Taylor Hall being injured, I don't necessarily think that this is something that had to happen. <laughs> so I'm glad they did it. I'm glad they made all those moves. But I think they could have kept on winning like they were right now, even if, you know, even if they hadn't. But that's also tough to say, considering Orloff, not Hathaway so much, but Orloff and Bertuzzi are contributing immediately. And I'll tell you what, those injuries, they piled up quick, didn't they? Like at the tail end of that road trip, all of a sudden Felino's out. And Taylor Hall, I mean, we may not see him again. This year, obviously, still alive, but you know, it's not, he's a badly injured knee. So, you know, they they knew all that. Obviously, they were operating under those sort of thoughts, and I think Sweeney did about as good a job as you can do. He put a big price tag and the big onus on keeping this chemistry together and working on all that. And there's maybe a question you can ask about guys like Hathaway, guys like Bertuzzi, guys who are a little crazy. I mean, Garnett Hathaway looks like a crazy person. Garnett Hathaway looks like he's wearing someone else's face on his own face. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's one of the like, uh, like Nicholas Cage and John Travolta. Remember that? Remember that movie? Or um, Dwight in the Office when he cuts the face off the CPR doll and wears it over his own. Like that's what Garnett Hathaway looks like. That like he's done that before. Like he's skinned a person and put the skin on his face. Like he looks crazy. But maybe the Bruins needed a little crazy. Maybe Sweeney said, you know what? One thing this team's missing is a little bit of that edge. And when you get to the postseason, maybe it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows like it's been here in the regular season. And you're going to need some guys who are well-versed in the dark arts. <laughs> and you know what? Those guys are. Hathaway, watch watch his highlights. Just punch Garnett Hathaway into, uh, into YouTube and just enjoy for a couple hours. You'll see. He's he's a guy. It doesn't matter if the siren goes off. He'll still finish his hit. He'll still start a fight. He'll do whatever. Um, he'll start a fight when his team's on a three on two. <laughs> he's that, and that's the one thing I sort of worry about. Like, I I like that edge and Bertuzzi too. But both of those guys are guys who will maybe sort of lose themselves in the moment sometimes and uh, let their emotions get the best of them. And they're both uh, older now, and they were more known for that in their younger days. But that stuff doesn't always go away. And if you don't believe me, ask Brad Marsh in uh, when you get older. 617-779-7937 is your phone number. Let's go to the phones, talk to Dan, who is in Brockton. Go ahead, Dan. Hey, how you doing? What's up, Dan? What's up, Dan? Well, I tell you, when you get older, it goes away. <laughs> sure does. What's up? So I got a pair of goalies for you. Okay. Ken Dryden and Vladimir Trachiak. Mm-hmm. I'll touch your memory. Sure. Uh, 1972 Canada Cup. Okay. What about him? Oh, I was just talking about two goalies who would stop anything. Those those guys are unbelievable. Oh, yeah, sure, of course. Uh, Thanks for the call, Dan. appreciate it. That's a good good goalie. I thought he was going somewhere with it. Like, ah, here's two good goalies. (laughs) He's right. Those guys, Ken Dryden was great. Ken Dryden, we were talking about uh, Dryden the other day. Why were we talking about... Oh, because Shaughnessy, and I think also Spiros over at the Herald, uh, wrote about, and I think Spiros actually wrote it first, wrote about the 71 Bruins. 
which was well before I was born. You too, Stiz, I know. But uh, the Bruins in the 70s, if you don't know, ran the whole city. I mean, like, literally ran the whole city. Like, they had the Daisy Buchanan's, and, you know, they were the teams winning all the championships. Like, they they had this whole city humming every year. It was a hockey town back then, boy, I'll tell you that. Sanderson and those guys. Um, I also learned today that Derek Forbert's named after Derek Sanderson. I never knew that. Uh, but, yeah, back in the 70s, uh, Bobby Orr and those guys, I mean, they were, winning, they were winning cups. And they won one in 70. And then in 71, they had this unbelievable regular season, I think the best in Bruins history, maybe until now. And uh, they were odds-on favorite to win. Everybody thought they were going to just cruise through the playoffs and destroy everybody like they did the year before. And, you know, Orr and all these guys talked about how that was the, actually the best team. That was the most talented team. Everybody was in their prime, blah, 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 blah. And that was Ken Dryden, who was an AHL call-up. And I forget who Montreal's goalies were that got hurt, but two guys got hurt, and so they called up Dryden uh, for the playoff series, and Dryden completely uh, stood on his head and knocked the Bruins out. And the Bruins won the Cup before that year and after that year, which makes it a little different from these Bruins now. I understand the point everyone's trying to make. I understand the point they're, you know, that they're trying to say here with the, the Spiros and Shaughnessy and all that about, you know, you can have a great regular season and then come up short. And listen, in the NHL, I don't think there's a more uh I don't think there's a league in American sports anyway that that's more common. A team that's just on fire and looks unbeatable and then gets into a playoff series with a hot goalie and it all just comes crashing down. I mean, that happens all the time. And the only thing about it is the Bruins have had the hot goalie all year. No matter which one they put out there, it's the hot goalie. You know what I mean? Like they, they're constantly the team that's uh, running the hot goalie out. And that's a nice position to be in, you know? Um, there was also a whole bunch of angry people all mad about the, uh, oh, you trade one of the goalies if you can. And listen, I didn't think it made sense to do it this year. But I'm seeing a lot of people say, how could you possibly? I thought you knew hockey. How could you possibly suggest trading one of your goalies? really like do you think they're both really good if you think they're both really good and you have followed hockey at any point in your life then you'd know that whenever you have two really good goalies eventually one of them gets traded i mean that's what always happens uh they traded van beesbrook right out of new york they traded uh, mike vernon out of detroit and then won a cup with osgood right after that i mean like this happens all the time and then when Osgood started, they brought in Hoshik and they traded Osgood. Like, I think they traded Osgood. But this is what happens. You know, this is what happens when you have a run of good goaltenders. Or when you have two great ones on the team at the same time. And they might have that right now. Or at the very least, two guys having great seasons. I'll tell you what, when they uh, signed Allmark at $5 million, I never in a million years thought he'd do anything close to this. I didn't even think he'd be the starter. I thought they brought him in as Swayman's backup. And when I say backup, I mean like 60-40 backup. Not this. The best goalie in the world. You know what I mean? Like, this has been unbelievable watching what he's done. And he's done it with, you know, up until last week, out really without really a big signature game. He's got a signature game now. That 54-save game was ridiculous. And uh, some of the saves he made, he made a save on Milan Lucic on a two-on-one that I almost did. I almost fell off my couch watching that. Just ridiculous. Everything's in slow motion for these guys, I feel like. Um, do you believe in Allmark? 
I know you obviously believe in what he's doing right now, but do you believe that this is something that's going to last all throughout the playoffs and to the Stanley Cup final? Because I got news for you, folks. This is it. We're here. It's cup or bust. And when I say bust, I mean capital B bust. Because if they push all their chips in like this, and they win all these games, and Allmark has this unbelievable season, and then they get to the first round and get Ken Dryden, <sighs> you know, 71, they had the cup before and after. This team hasn't won a cup since 2011, all right? We're going on over a decade here with this team. And this is probably the last gas batted for, the, for this group, for this core, a core that Sweeney inherited, by the way. And he's made some great draft picks, obviously, you know, since then. I know everyone talks about how Sweeney can't draft. He's made some good draft picks. Not in the last three, four years, but DeBrusque has turned into a good draft pick. Carlo's a good draft pick. McAvoy, obviously. Swayman. Uh, Frederick. Uh, someone was texting me all these, and I agree. I think that, you know, the, the days of being able to say Sweeney just straight up sucks at drafting are over. Some of these guys were not exactly, you know, kind of late bloomers, but they bloomed. And McAvoy, I mean, listen, McAvoy was a grand slam. Swayman may be a grand slam. Swayman, fourth round? So, listen, I know there hasn't been a lot lately, but if I know a Don Sweeney draft pick, we might see something in a couple years. <laughs> so, right now, you worry about the present right now. The Bruins don't have any draft picks for a while. So, let's hope these guys get good. Let's hope these Lysels of the world and these other guys all uh, all start picking it up. You like what you see from you know the A.J. Greers and the Pavel Zakas of the world, too. All right, I think that's about enough here on the Bruins. Eventually, you run out of ways to say they're good. You know, like that's sort of been the problem with the Bees this year. We've talked a lot about the Bruins. And with this past week, all the stuff that they've done, in particular that uh, Pasternak extension and everything else, that's something everybody's been waiting for. That's something everybody's been kind of pining for. When are they going to get that done? When is Pasternak going to be made official? What are they waiting for? And they got him at a nice price. They got him at a discount. They did. He could have gone to the market and got $12, 13000000 I absolutely think so. They got him eight years for 11 and a quarter. I mean, that's, that's, that's some nice maneuvering there. I don't know what Sweeney said to him. Yeah, you know, you might be losing Bergeron and Krejci, but we got plans. Trust me. And you know what? Sweeney's now the kind of GM that you can, he can turn to his players and say, trust me, I know what I'm doing. And the players say, yeah, you know what? He does know what he's doing. <laughs> Look at these trades he's made. Taylor Hall, Lindholm, all the moves that were made this year. Uh, free agent signing, Noshek and some of these free agent signings, are guys that you didn't really think that much of. And now you can't imagine the team without, I can't imagine this team without Tomas Noshek. Honestly, I can't. He's been a huge contributor this year. But he convinced Pasternak that this isn't just going to be you know, one and done. I don't know what he said, and I don't know what his plan is, but I'll tell you what, more than I have in maybe his entire time, his entire tenure with this team, more than ever, I trust Don Sweeney. We were talking about this. Stiz, what do you think? Who do you who do you think is the best GM in town and the worst GM in town? Oh, I don't know. That's tough. It's got it for best, it's gotta be either Stevens or Sweeney. And worst has either got to be Bloom or Belichick. So I mean, you know, it's two or two. It's basically which one of those two would you say is uh, better or worse than the other one? I'm gonna I'm gonna go Sweeney for the best. I think you got to go Sweeney for the best. Yeah. Although then, Stevens put together a hell of a roster. Yeah, like he didn't. Yeah. But this is. I mean, this is otherworldly here. Uh, and what do you think, Bloom or Belichick? I'm gonna go Bloom. I'm gonna go Bloom. Bloom is worse or better? 
worse. Worse, okay. Yeah. See, I lean that way too. I think you got to go Sweeney here just because this, I mean, this is this could be a historically good best team in the history of the league. All right, so you got to go Bloom there. Sweeney. Not Bloom, sorry, Sweeney. Yeah. But when it comes to who's the worst, I lean Bloom, but I also feel like Bloom has, Bloom has sort of been given marching orders that I don't think anybody would be, would have done a great, a better job with. Let me put it that way. I don't think that High and Bloom, what he got back in the Mookie Betts trade, which is a trade he had to make, I don't think some other GM or chief baseball officer, whatever, would have gotten some much better return than what High and Bloom got, I guess. You see what I mean? Like, you know, I don't, I don't think that he's made uh, amazing moves or anything like that, but I do think he's got a couple in there that were okay, and he does have a trip to the uh, uh, to the ALCS recently. Last year was a disaster, obviously, but we'll see what this year looks like. I guess the point I'm trying to make here is I feel like he gets he gets sort of told from on high more of what he can and can't do. Bill Belichick's the boss. Bill Belichick sort of, you know, like he, it goes how he decides it's going. He's the GM, he's the coach, he's the grand poobah. And so because of that, unless you think that Kraft really meddles, and I don't, uh, because of that, I lean a little more towards Bill. You know, Bill's more in charge. And that team is, I think, underachieving more than the Red Sox were. I, and maybe that's, you know, a, a product of guys retiring. And I do think that, you know, at some point you have to look at the guys that you let go or the guys that you traded and think, well, what did you do to replace them in High and Bloom's case? But in Bill's case, I mean, that big free agent spending spree and the draft picks and sort of this other stuff, like... Eh. His rebuild is on year four uh, since Brady left, right? Bloom is in year, what's he, in year four? He's also in year four, maybe, year three? I don't know. They're close. I don't know if I'd necessarily uh, for sure say one or the other, but they're definitely close. Uh, Real quick, Patriots. Brian Hoyer's getting released. And when I read that, I was like, oh. Right. Hoyer. Releasing him now, huh? Why not keep him around? I mean, you don't want the roster spot? Like, why not Why not keep him around? Wasn't there a lot of talk about his you know, steady hand and kind of – you don't have to play him ever, but, you know, in the event that Mac Jones, who does get hurt quite a bit, gets hurt, and you have to have Zappi out there or Zappi goes something, I don't know. Did you want Hoyer around? Don't they like how, you know, I'm surprised that Bill would want to cut a Bill guy. And I consider Hoyer to be one of the Bill guys. We don't know what's going to happen with Devin McCourty. We know that Matthew Slater's gone. Or Matthew Slater's back, I should say. Uh, we don't know if Devin McCourty's going to be gone or not or what he's going to do. Seems like he's going to come back, but we'll see. Um, I just feel like Bill doesn't have that many guys left. And I'm surprised that he would really, maybe he'll bring him back as a coach or something. You know, maybe Hoyer's done. He doesn't want to play anymore. Um, and they have an opening at <laughs> offensive, I don't want to say offensive coordinator, but whatever Matt Patricia used to do. Although I heard that Matt Patricia was involved in the new weight room. Did you read this? No, I didn't see this. Yeah. Matt Patricia, who a lot, a lot has been sort of said about him recently between the Patriots and the Broncos and Sean Payton and all that. And at this point, I feel kind of bad because you know, it looks like the guy's out of a job. Kern came on here and said he's untethered, which, I mean... As so speaking of someone who's been untethered a few times, I got a you know nice call from my boss saying, "Hey, we've uh, decided to untether you." I know that's a weird way of putting it, 
but it seems like that's sort of what's happening there. But now it's like, oh, he's designing the weight room now, like the new weight room? And this coming after the Patriots got all those bad grades on a survey. And there's one more thing I just wanted to say about that survey. Uh, they were 24th. They got a bunch of, you know, Fs and players just not super impressed with the facilities and the travel arrangements and all that other stuff, which some of it I was like, meh. But some of it I was like, yeah, this is kind of an old stadium. I guess I get it. David Andrews comes out at some Patriots charity thing, gets asked about the survey, and he goes, well, you know, surveys can be skewed. It's like, yeah, but it's a survey. <laughs> like They asked all the players on the team, what do you think about this, this, and this, and this is how they answer. What was skewed exactly? And also, who do you trust? The people who are answering a survey anonymously or the guy speaking at the team function? <laughs> like, you know, like who, who do you think is maybe going to be a little bit more open and honest about what they really think of the certain things that are involved here? Like the guy who's uh, speaking on the record or the anonymous ones who can say what they really think? I just, I don't know. I thought that was a little strange. But uh, anyway, eh, get that lighthouse up, I guess. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. We'll uh, take your phone calls and wrap things up next. As uh, I got to talk about this video we saw. If you were watching the news yesterday, you saw what happened over in Harvard Square at the T-Station. We'll get into that right after this. Covering Boston sports and beyond. We're back to Christian Arcand on WEEI. All right, we got a couple minutes left here. If you want to call in, you got to do it fast. 617-779-7937. It's Arcan. Um, I've been shaken up a little bit from something I saw yesterday on Twitter. It was all over the news. You've probably seen it by now. Uh, this is a stop I used to. The guy used to go to high school in Cambridge. And I know that T-stop very well on the red line, Harvard Square. You go on the red line out through Cambridge, Central, Davis, Kendall, all the, all the squares before you get into the city. Um, and uh, Harvard Square, I mean, listen, that's an expensive place to live, let me tell you. <laughs> it is not cheap to live in Harvard Square. But uh, the Harvard Square T-stop needs some renovations, I'll tell you that. Because if you saw this video, this video is incredible. Uh it's closed circuit, you know, security video. And you see the train, I think, is just about to leave. And you see some guys going up the stairs. And there's this girl with a shopping bag. And she's walking towards the stairs. And in between the three guys and this one girl, almost perfectly, a giant panel of the ceiling falls and crashes to the ground. And it is, it's, I don't know, what, I don't know exactly what the material was, if it was cement or what exactly it was. But it crashes to the ground and kicks up all this dirt and dust and debris and everything. And when I tell you, it was inches away from flattening this poor girl. <laughs> I just, I, I watched it over and over and over again. I just watched the video. I couldn't believe it. It's, it's almost, it's almost like Final Destination, you know what I mean? Like how it was right in between this group of guys and this one girl. The guys had just started going up the stairs. It was right in front of the stairs. And the train is, the platform is right there. I mean, they're right, it's right next to it. You know, right next to that little red sign that says Harvard, you know, like the, the stop on the wall. And I just, stuff like that, when I was a kid, like I wasn't really that scared of, um, of like Freddy Krueger and Jason and Michael Myers and stuff like that. Like I watched those movies and like they were scary, but I wasn't like scared of them. You know who I was really scared of is I was really scared of uh, the computer in 2001, A Space Odyssey, 
uh, when it locks the guy out and closes <laughs> the pod bay doors. That's and, great. like, you can't reason with it. You can't tell it, hey, listen, he's like, nope, I have my, sorry, Dave. I can't do that, Dave. Like, I have to kill you, Dave. You know, like, that's, you can't do anything. There's nothing you can do. The computer's just programmed this way, and that's what's going to happen. You can't kill the computer, you know. I know eventually the spoiler alert. Eventually the guy goes in and shuts the computer down. But uh, you know, like that that scared me. Stuff like that scares me. Stuff where you just you have no control at all and you're just there and you're at the mercy of whatever's going on around you. And that's what riding the T is like these days. I mean, whether and we'll listen this girl who almost got crushed had a funny thing that I want to play. But uh I was telling Stiz this before the show. One time I was driving to my old job in New Hampshire years and years ago, and I was stopped at a red light, and this Buick going about 25 miles an hour just pancakes me right in the back, rear ends me, and uh, I was just sitting there. And this guy was going pretty fast. Like, I, you know, I hit my head on the headrest, and there's a whole thing, but, like, there's nothing you can do. You're sitting there, you're just in your car, and there's no, there's nothing, no way I could have avoided it. This girl's just walking in the T-stick, going to the stairs, and this thing drops out of the sky and could have landed on it. Didn't, but could have. She said that uh, some of the crap got in her mouth. Let's hear from this girl. She goes to Suffolk, I think. She's a senior at Suffolk. And they uh, they, they found her. I think it's Channel 5. I'm not sure which uh, uh, station it is to talk to her. But let's, uh, let's hear from uh, the girl who almost got hit at Harvard. All I heard was the loud noise, and I see this tile in front of me. It was um, all over my coat and, like, my clothing. When I closed my mouth, I inhaled the dirt and the debris. We all know the tea's on fire or the tea broke down, the tea hit a car. So just being on the tea, you're a little worrisome of the dangers that you might experience, but no one really focuses on what happens after the tea. She's right. You know, this wasn't a train car that broke down. This wasn't like a green line car that hit another train or hit a uh, get on a bike or, you know, hit a car or something like that. None of that. No, 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 no. This wasn't, you know, people diving out to off the burning train into the river, <laughs> which was, I think, probably a historic moment in Boston history. That was wild. I feel like it wasn't this bad when we were kids. I mean, and obviously it's getting older every year. Definitely. You know, but... I never worked like you know she's like she says oh the tea's on fire like it's just like a normal thing now right the first train in Massachusetts the first like transit system and I think those old tunnels and everything it wasn't called the MBTA back then but the previous incarnate go back to like the early 19th century like we're talking like 18 the 1830s is when they first set up the green line and the rail you know what I mean they weren't called all that back then it was just the train or whatever it was but these are 200 year old tunnels and and they haven't made a single repair in that time you know what i mean like they've they've obviously tried to keep it up (laughs) so that was my question to arcan like i was wondering what the material was made of and so i just tile right it was a tile yeah so the panels are made of aluminum with an insulated backing they normally weigh about five pounds but because of the moisture buildup it's estimated the panels weighed about 30 pounds when it fell. A 30-pound panel or tile or whatever falling that far, that was about 20 feet, right? Maybe a little more. I don't know how far it was. It seemed like a lot. Uh, I don't know if she, I don't know if that would have been, like, fatal, but. Could have, you know, you just never know. It you hits never, you the wrong way. You or, have no idea. You know? And like you said, that is really the most scariest thing is that when it's just something out of the blue and there's nothing you can do nothing you can do oh it's the worst feeling i've been like shook up from that for like the last 24 hours 
after I watched that, I was just like, oh, my God. And nothing even bad happened. It missed her. <laughs> she missed it. But, like, that just goes to show you, live your life, folks. You know, like, do the things you want to do, eat the food you want to eat, do the stuff you want to do. Because you never know when you're going to be getting off the train and a big part of the ceiling falls down and crushes you. You just don't know. You don't know if that's going to be your day or not. And fortunately for this young lady and those three guys, it wasn't their day yesterday. But you just, you don't know. And when you're riding the T these days, I really do feel like you're sort of, you know, it used to be worried about, you know, like a crazy guy on the T. Right? Yeah, like, exactly. oh, I got in yeah. a fight on the tee. Oh, some guy was, you know, naked on the tee or something. Like, some guy was peeing on the tee. Something like that. It was always some crazy guy. <laughs> now, now that's like not, I don't even think about that anymore. The rare times I even ride the tee anymore. Now I'm just sitting there going, oh, man, is this train going to make it? <laughs> like, is, is something going to break? Is the fire going to start? Are we going to have to jump out the window? Like, what's going to happen? Uh, you know, and all the crazies are in there. You know, the crazy people are on there, too. They're scared, too. They're too scared to, to take their clothes off and pee in the seats. <laughs> They're worried something's going to happen on the, to the tee. And that's, I mean, that's it. <laughs> Tell you what. Uh, thank God. Thank God that wasn't worse. But I'll tell you, live your life, folks. Do the things you want to do. Enjoy it. Because you never know. <laughs> Especially you commuters. You never know what's going to happen on that train. All right, that's all the time I have here. I want to say thanks to Stiz. Great job behind the glass, as always. Uh, I'll be back on Monday with Jones, Mego, and Ryan. We'll talk to you at 2 o'clock. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Goodbye. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with a vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com.